0: Good morning, Victory Church. Good to see you. My name is Troy. Darla and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. What a great great Sunday to be here. I want to give a couple of testimonies real quick before we jump into the Word. If you were here last week or you've been here for a few weeks, you have known that last week we took up what we call our Purpose Prevails offering. It's our end of the year offering. And here's our kind of vision behind that in case you're visiting. We, we know that, I understand it's Christmas and I understand it's one of the hardest seasons financially, but what an opportunity to show God that you are trusting Him in your life. And here's what we do with that offering. First of all, we praise God for what He did in 2018 and we walk through that and then we, we we proclaim and believe for what God's going to do in 2019. And so last week, everybody kind of gathered and prepared their offering, those who gave. And, and listen, we are going to keep it open online and different things. to so the end of the month, we've had a couple people say, hey, I get this check on this week. Do you mind if I turn it in that week? Go ahead. Sure, we'll keep it up online and you're able to turn it in until the end of the year. But we kind of wanted to have that moment last week where we kind of preached on it and then got ready to take it up. And, and so I, I, I set kind of a a goal, per se, because we've said from day one that 100% of this offering would go to ministry. 100% of it would go to ministry. And so we've already been looking at events and things that we can do, outreach and evangelistic and so on. And so I kind of set a goal in my mind. I was like, man, if we could get 14000 we could do a lot of these things and we could do them with excellence and so on. And the last time I counted and Tim walked me through, this is where we were at right now from the giving, 17200 Come on. God is good. And I want to read a testimony. We're already getting testimonies in uh, from people that have already been blessed by this. And I want to read this testimony from Caesar. It says, "I, I got an email this morning where I was offered a job as a studio assistant. This was this past week. It wasn't the position I was aiming for, but it's still very beneficial to me in so many ways. I thought about it, and I can see God's blessing all in it. And I love this. I don't think it is a... Coincidence. If you were here a couple weeks, you know what he meant by that, that it happens after giving to purpose prevails. And I just love that. I just love that days after, God is already blessing, um, already moving, al- already uh, impacting people's lives. And there's more testimonies that I have that I'll share with you. But for those of you that gave, thank you. For those of you that are still preparing to give, thank you. We just believe 2019 is going to be a year of more, amen, that we're going to see more people give their life to Jesus, more people impacting this community. And it's because you are such a giving church. That last week we gave 15 turkeys and hams, and the principal and the staff of this school delivered them this past week. I'll show you those pictures later um, in in the month. And and we were able to do that. We were able to bless the pitches today, and it's just all because of your generosity and your desire to give and worship God in your giving. And I just want to take a second and applaud you. Thank you. Thank you, church. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Maybe give me that water right there. Are you ready for the word? If you got your Bibles, open up, well, me and you, we'll just be together. Tina, we'll just be you. Open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. As you see, we are in a series called Born for This, and it's just kind of a short Christmas season series because on December 30th, we'll launch a new series And that series is going to set us up for our fasting as a church. And so, again, you'll hear more about that as we get closer. But we're just in a little three-week series. So last week was Born for This One. This is Born for This Two. And then next week in our candlelight communion service, our Christmas service, we'll we'll finish it with Born for This Three. And it's all coming out of Luke 2 and the Christmas story. Um, During this time, during this season is normally when we begin to reflect on the birth of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and all these processes. And so we read last week verses 1 through 7, Luke 2, 1 through 7, that kind of set up Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem and Mary having the baby and there not being room for her in the inn and all that stuff. And we're going to pick up today on verse 8. So if you're looking in your Bibles or if you want to follow above me on the screen or even online, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, that night, the night that Jesus was born, some shepherds were in the fields outside of the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel appeared among them, and the landscape shone bright with the glory of the Lord. They were badly frightened, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, for I bring you the most joyful news ever announced. It's incredible. Thank you, man. And it is for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? You'll find a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth for all those pleasing him. When this great army of angels, angels had returned again to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. When Darla and I set out to plant a church, we had no experience whatsoever in planting church, churches. We didn't know anything about it. And so when we felt like God laid that on our heart, we began to look into training and school and, and anything, any person we could reach out to to just say, hey, what does it look like? What does it mean? What do you do? What are we doing? We're going somewhere we've never even visited in our entire life, and we're going to start this church. and what, what does that look like? And we, we started going to these training courses, and you'd be surprised how much is out there if you look for it. And as we went to so many things, there there were certain things that tend to be in every one of the trainings, right? And one of them, for example, was culture. They always were, you know, build your culture, build your culture. Because when you start a church, we're creating our culture. So let me give you an example. You are already creating this church to be a giving church. That's the culture. So 10 years from now, when we're raising $11 million and doing stuff in this community that nobody ever dreamed of, we'll think back to this moment where we set the culture with 17,000. Don't even play with me on that. God will turn that 17 into 17 million in 10 years. Don't play. It's culture. Another thing they talk about is your worship experience, your Sunday service, making it the big thing, because I mean, let's be honest, we're all so busy, and before you blink, it's Sunday again, and Sunday has to be the thing, right? It has to be the thing. And one of the things that everybody kept talking about was marketing. Are y'all familiar with this term, marketing? I went to a class in high school called Marketing and Management, and I only went to it so that I could skip other classes, let's be honest. Um, But it's not, you know, depending on what you do for a living, the term might escape you. But I understood it. I understood in marketing to certain people, marketing your product. I, I understood that. And there were certain things they said about marketing. For example, they would talk about who you market to. And how you got to look at your product you got to market to a specific person. And when you market. You know, they would say things like, uh, uh, if you tried to market, if KFC tried to start right now, it wouldn't succeed. Because we're all worried about kale and health and all that kind of stuff. You have to know when to market something. When. And so knowing that, I was studying Luke chapter 2 and I thought to myself, something's off. Walk with me. Do you think it's strange the way that God marketed the Messiah? Let me explain. The biggest moment in the world's history is about to happen. Jesus is about to be born. A virgin is about to give birth, first of all, pretty rare. Then baby Jesus, the Son of God, is about to come into flesh, and the process, the the pattern or the journey of salvation is about to begin. This is a big deal. And Look how God chose to announce it. He went to some shepherds in a field at nighttime and spoke to them. And I thought to myself, God could have announced them in any way. He could have moved clouds together to form. Jesus is here, right? He he could have sent an angel to every individual door. Knock, knock, knock. The son is here. My son is here. He could have announced it in any way, but he chose to announce it the way that he did. And so here was the question, and I wanted it in this form. Y'all ever do this on Instagram? Or those that are in social media, you, you vote, you do a poll. Here was my poll. When it comes to the way that God marketed the Messiah, was it poor marketing or was it on purpose? What was it? Was it, was it, did God just, he didn't, maybe he didn't go to marketing class? He just, he just poor marketing, or was it on purpose? Let's start. Number one, he went to some shepherds. Is that poor marketing, or was that on purpose? Verse eight through ten says this that night, what does it say? Some shepherds, some shepherds were in the field outside of the village guarding the flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel appears among them, and the landscape shone bright for the glory of the Lord. Why choose them? There's a saying in the marketing world that marketing that appeals to everyone appeals to no one. I get it. I understand marketing to a specific group of people. Why market to the shepherds? What would have been the point for that? What was the reason behind that? I understand that in Old Testament time, shepherds were kind of revered. David was a shepherd. But in this time frame, shepherds are starting to become more of a lower class when it comes to what they do. For example, one theologian said they would have been grouped together, watch this, with tax collectors and poop sweepers. That's a good way to introduce yourself, isn't it? Hey, what small group do you want to go to? I'd like to go to the poop sweepers if I could. That's, that's kind of where I like to fit in. Like, like, you know, these are not the kind of people you invite to your kid's birthday party. Nobody wanted to be, they they weren't high on the cultural class. They were low. But yet God chose to invite them to Jesus' party. Why, God? Is it on purpose or did you just mix up the invitations, right? We've all been there. We've done that. I think we all understand that parties have a purpose, right? Every time we've ever planned a party, it has a purpose. And the purpose in the party dictates who you invite, let me explain. In case you're going, I don't know if that's true, let me prove it to you. Anybody remember their eight-year-old birthday party? For some of you, it's harder than others. I understand. For some of you, it's been a long time. <laughs> Your eight-year-old birthday party, when it came to who you were inviting, who did you invite? Friends. Why? Because what was the purpose of the party? Fun. Thank you. Me and you just be together. <laughs> Friends. Because it's Fun. All I want to do is have fun. Well, you know, little Billy doesn't make a lot of money. I don't care. I don't care what kind of present they bring. I just want to have fun. So invite my friends, right? The purpose of the party is fun. So I invite my friends. I'm eight years old. Eight, eight years old. Let's break something, right? That's what we do. Your twelfth grade graduation party. What's the purpose? Money is the, is the purpose. So that's why you start inviting. You don't invite your friends because they're all broke like you. That's when you go to your mom and go, hey, remember your auntie on your third cousin on the dog side? Remember that person? Remember who, who has a lot of money and drives a Mercedes Benz? Can we invite them? I don't even know what they look like. Never seen them, never spoke to them. But can we invite them to the party? Because one party's purpose was fun, so you invite your friends. This party's purpose was funds." with a D. So you invite your family, right? I'm trying to get some money. The purpose of the party always dictates who you invite. You don't invite the pyromaniac to the 4th of July party. You don't do that. You don't want your house blown up. I believe God knew there was a purpose in this party, and so it dictated who he invited. I think he invited him on purpose. I'm going to show you why, okay? Okay. I know last week I was digging on the nativity scene, and if you were here, I had this one couple come to church, it was really embarrassing. They were like, hey, um, we actually collect nativity scenes. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to learn to quit preaching stuff like that, I'm going to stick to my notes eventually. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I was just kind of digging at it, and, and I was having fun, and I'm going to dig on it some more, okay? Just, just for a little bit, just for a little bit, and I'll come back and make a full circle, and you'll be happy that you bought one. Don't worry. Okay, so. First of all, theologians say that by the time the kings or the magi got to Jesus, he would have been a toddler. They say that, that, that by the time the, the, the shepherd got to him, he would have been a baby. By the time the kings got to him, he'd have been a toddler. Your nativity scene looks completely different. If instead of baby Jesus is in a diaper and he's got mud all on his face and food and Oreos on his mouth, you know, he's walking like this, it's totally different. He would have been a toddler. They also say that the magi would have come with an entourage and so there wouldn't have just been three of them. It would have been like hundreds of people. You've shown. Imagine that. You ever had a party, and, and somebody invites somebody, invites somebody, invites somebody, or you didn't invite, and, and a party of 10 goes to 100, and you don't know how we're going to feed all these people? Could you imagine that moment? Another theologian said this. When you study it, you find out that he believes that Jesus would have been in, born in more of a cave than this, like, uh, you know, manger-type type area. I don't know what, you, what we call it. What? Barn, there we go, that's what I'm looking for. The, the barn type area, it would have been more like a cave. They said that there were no animals there, right? So now this is just kind of destroying our whole nativity scene. Now you want to go home and throw it in the trash, right? It's like, why do I even have this? Might as well get the army men and some action figures and just set them up. And be like, the manger. But then I felt the Lord tell me something that I thought, okay, there's purpose again. And this is going to make you want to leave it up 365 days a year. Okay, you ready? Let me show you a picture of the average nativity scene. The average nativity scene. Okay, here it is. So sweet. Everybody go, oh, that's so cute. It looked good on your dresser right by your couch in your living room. Here's the kings. If you set it up correctly, you put the kings on one side, you put the shepherds on the other side, right? So you got the kings on one side you got the shepherds on the other. Now watch. Here's what the Lord showed me. The kings would have represented the highest class. They are kings. They are measure. They would have been the highest class in culture and finance. They'd have been the highest. Then you've got the shepherds, the old poop swoopers over here, poop sweepers, right? They're over here. And you've got the lowest. So on one side, you've got the highest. And on the other side, you've got the lowest. And when I looked at it, I felt the Lord tell me this. I was creating a scale of invitation. Watch. Put this up for me. The scale of invitation. In other words, wherever you see yourself on the scale, you're invited. If you see yourself as high, you got a lot of pride in yourself, or you got a lot of money, or whatever, whatever prestige, whatever it is. Guess what? You're invited. If you see yourself down the lowest, and you think you're a poop sweeper, right? Amen. Poop sweepers are anonymous. Is who we are. If this is who you are, guess what? You're invited. Because even in the cave, we need some, We got some poop that needs to be swept, right? So, so you're invited. No matter, if you find yourself more in the middle, maybe you're in the middle, guess what? You're invited. It doesn't matter where you put yourself on the scale. The message that God was getting across and the whole reason for the marketing of inviting the shepherds was this. Everyone is invited. This is an event. For everyone. When you look up Luke chapter 2 in the Message Bible, the little paraphrase at the top that gives you the chapter says, event for everyone. Wow. For everyone. Well, well, you don't know what I've been through. Everyone. Well, you don't know what my family... Everyone. Well, you don't know what I... Everyone. You don't know what I'm gonna do. Everyone. The event is for everyone. Every white person, every black person. Every Latino person, every Hispanic person, every Asian person, every poor person, every rich person, every tall person, every short person, whoever you are, you're invited. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a private party. It was whoever you are. God was saying, I'm sending my son for you. Because watch this. If it's just shepherds, kings don't come. If it's just kings, the shepherd doesn't come. God said, I've got to to prepare an environment where no matter who you are, when you walk in, you understand you are invited. The birth of Jesus, I love the way Paul said it in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It's so beautiful. He said, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Here's what he was saying. I'm not ashamed of the birth of baby Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the nativity story. I'm not even ashamed of the little toys you put by your couch that aren't quite accurate. I'm not ashamed of it. Why am I not ashamed of it? Because it was God's powerful method of bringing all who believe to heaven. The birth of Jesus was God's powerful method. And watch this. For the message was preached first to the Jews alone, but now, what does that say? Everyone is invited. Everyone If there's ever been a moment where you were told that something you did, something you said, or somewhere you've been has disqualified you from the grace of God, they are telling you a lie. Everyone is invited. I can prove it to you. Just go find the time when Jesus was on the cross and he had two thieves on both sides and they were just seconds away from death. That guy didn't do anything for Jesus or for God and he couldn't have done anything for God. He had no more future, no more opportunity to serve God or to be holy or any of these things and he acknowledged Jesus and Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. Doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, you are invited. It's the Christmas story. That's why he invited some shepherds. Point number 2. Why some manger? Right? I don't know if y'all caught this, but 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 you know, was it poor marketing or, or was it on purpose? Let me show you this in case you didn't catch it. Luke 2 verse 11 now. In case I I spent a lot of time studying this and you might just be seeing it for the first time, so let me show you this. The savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? I love it. The angels already predicting our problem. Where is he? Where are you going to be? Where am I going to find him? You talking about the Savior of the world? How am I? Gonna, you you need to recognize him. You need to find him. Don't no problem. You ready? You ready? Here's the directions to get to him. Here's the secret identification to who he is. He will be. You will find a baby wrapped in a blanket lying in a manger. Thanks. <laughs> what does that mean? There's a lot of mangers. You didn't say the manger. You didn't say the manger over there on fifth, right across from second. You didn't give me any. It's just what? Help a brother out. You just said a baby wrapped in a blanket in a manger. Could you imagine them walking around, and every little baby, just be like, hey, can I see your baby real quick? Let me just, no, no, you not the Messiah, not the Messiah. Hey, hey, real, just real quick, real quick. Let me, let me see the baby. Ah, no, nope, nope, nope. nope. I mean, that would have taken forever. They're taking forever. I, I, these, these directions are so generic. It reminded me of how we act when somebody wants to make plans with us, and we don't really want to make plans with them. And we start doing stuff like this. Well, I, I know I'm gonna we going yeah we we're gonna we're gonna get together yeah yeah. Well, it's, it's gonna be soon. One night coming up, a week night. Yeah yeah. We're gonna to, it's gonna be a there's gonna be a time frame. We're gonna get together. You know, it's it's so vague. Could you imagine if we would announce the church like this? Imagine if we would have put signs all down Sam Ridley that said, Victory Church launching on a Sunday in a building off of a road. How many people would have showed up? Not many. It would have been me by myself. Because what is a building off of a road? Give me some specifics. But then I started wondering, is it possible that because of their culture and because of our culture, that a baby wrapped in a blanket in a manger meant more to them than it does to us? Because I don't know about you, but I hadn't seen a manger in a long time. We, don't, we put them in bassinets, we don't put them in mangers. You know, we get it from Toys R Us. Rest in peace, Toys R Us. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know manger, I don't, I don't know what any of that, But could it have been something different to them? And then I thought about this. You guys ever been to a real country place before? I'm talking about like really They got like one Applebee's in a gas station. You know what I'm talking about? Real country. And you pull up and you ask for directions. And they get that guy who has one tooth and he just plays chess for a living in the gas station. And he comes out and he walks up to your car. You're like, hey, man, I'm trying to get to so-and-so. he goes, all right, all right, all right. Um, so, so make it right here. Go down a little ways. And when you get to, to Granny May's grocery store, you're going to hang a left, and then you're going to go down about another, about another mile, another two, three, four, five, five, five miles. You're going to go down, and then there's going to be a stop sign. Don't stop at that stop sign. Go through that stop sign, and then there's going to be a place where there should be a stop sign, and they're in one. Turn right there. And then if you get to, if you get to Wilson's grocery store, you've gone too far. You know, y'all ever done that before? That's complete nonsense. To us, I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I'm not from here. But to him, it made so much sense because that's his culture. That's where he's from. So he understands Wilson's grocery store, but we don't. So I said, okay, I'm going to study this a little bit. So to us, watch this, it's a baby wrapped in a blanket, or if you want to go King James Version, swaddled in cloth in a manger. No big deal. But then when you study, you find out that shepherds rolled with other shepherds. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever seen two people with the same career get together and start talking? Uh, And this used to happen to me all the time because people would watch The Office before I started watching it. And I would know when they start talking about The Office, I needed to leave because I didn't know what was happening right now. And I see this happen all the time with the music, the worship team and the production team. Andrew and them, they'll start, Andrew and Joseph will start talking about some stuff and it sounds like complete tongue talk. I didn't even know what was happening. I was like, the Holy Spirit falling here or something, was happening? And so I just have to leave, I have to walk, I don't know what's going on. It's confusing to me, right? I don't even know what's going on. And so shepherds understand other shepherds. There were, how do I say this? There was a category of shepherds that were Levitical shepherds. And their only responsibility, watch this, their only responsibility was to raise the lambs that would be killed and sacrificed for sin, that was their only responsibility. So they would, just, they would, raise, they would raise lambs, and in, when a baby lamb came, they would, they would kind of check it out. They would make sure it didn't have any broken bones because the, the Old Testament law couldn't have any broken bones. That's so why Jesus' bones weren't broken. It couldn't be blemished, right? Couldn't have any, and once they found a lamb that they thought was good enough for sacrifice that would be approved for sacrifice, watch this. They would take that lamb, and they would swaddle it in cloth or wrap it in a blanket. And then to be able to keep it, uh, uh, you know, safe until someone came to purchase it, they would set it in a what? Manger. So to us, a baby wrapped in a blanket in a manger means nothing. But to them, it meant a lot because they knew that Levitical shepherds would take that lamb and they would wrap it in a blanket and they would set it in a manger. It made so much sense to them. But how does that tell them where to go? I still don't really get it. Well, you saw that they said Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, there was a specific area where those shepherds worked, where they would uh, raise up uh, lambs and so on, and it was called the Tower of the Flock, or the, the Magdal Idal, okay? That was like the other name for it, the, the Tower of the Flock, and that was the area where the Levitical shepherds would raise and examine the lambs for sacrifice, so the moment they knew that they were talking about a lamb that would be sacrificed, they knew to go where? To the tower of the flock. So they go to the tower of the flock. Now, here's the interesting thing. One of the things I haven't told you when it comes to this is once there was a lamb that was ready for sacrifice, the shepherd would climb up to the top of the tower and would light a fire. And the priest could see the fire and they would know that there was a lamb ready for sacrifice. So now they could travel, get the lamb, and there'd be one ready for sacrifice. Now, if you know the the Christmas story, you would know that above where Jesus was born, there was what? A star, a ball of fire. So these these shepherds who understand Levitical shepherding uh, logistics and rules and context, they're traveling to the Tower of Flock where they raise lambs to be sacrificed for sin. They walk in to see a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger, And above him is a ball of fire. Watch this. Jesus wasn't just marketing his position, although they knew where he was. I'm sorry, God was not just marketing his position. God was marketing his purpose. They knew where he was, but more than that, they knew why he was there. That that, that stretched my thinking in the way God strategically marketed Jesus to be able to say, A, everyone's invited. Well, what's he here for? He's here to be sacrificed for our sins. That's why he's here. His position is the tower of flock. His purpose is to die for you and for me. We meet everyone. Why are we everyone? What? He took on our sins so that we could be clean. It's a whole different way to look at the Christmas story. So why some shepherds? So that we would know everyone's invited. Why some manger so that we would know what his purpose was. They knew what his position was. We now know what his purpose was. And here was the last one. Why some song? Did you catch that when we read it? Let me, let me read it again in verse 13 and 14. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others so you've got the angel that came to speak to the shepherds, and then all of a sudden, these other angels show up. You've got the angelic temptations, right? They just showed up ready to just, you know, you know, just the whole, you know, everybody move at the same time. Together. Y'all ain't ready for me. I'll get you up here. We'll start. We'll get... Sorry, I need to preach again. Uh, host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sing, and peace on earth for all of those pleasing him. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, at first I thought when you invited the shepherds, it was poor marketing, but I found out it was on purpose. And then when I thought you sent them to the very vague directions, I thought it was poor marketing and I found out it was on purpose. And now you send this group of angels into the middle of nowhere at night and they break out into song, praising God. Is that poor marketing? Or, or is that on purpose? Y'all ever sent somebody a singogram? You know what those are. When people show up your door doing like I just want to let you know that Troy loves you so. You know, you're like no, <laughs> I'm gonna start that business, singogram. Like you sent a singogram to some shit. What, what what was the reason? What, what what was the purpose behind these angels coming and singing and praising the, the soon coming King, the 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 Son of God, baby Jesus? And I had this thought. Y'all got to walk with me for a second, because I got to take you back into my childhood for you to really appreciate it, okay? I'm 34 years old, if you've ever wondered. I know I look like I'm 19. Um, and when I was about 17, 16, my, my years might be off a little bit. I was living, me and my dad, we, we lived together. Uh, I lived apart from my mom and sister. And uh, every, I think it was Monday night, every Monday night, I had to gather into my recliner, and from 7 to 8, I would watch Dawson's Creek. Don't judge me. You all got your own Dawson's Creek. Don't judge me. Hashtag Pacey for life. You know what I mean? I'm glad she chose him. Whoop, spoiler alert in case you never seen it. Um, and then that was from 7 to 8. And at 8 o'clock, this thing called WWF Raw would come on. Nobody? Yeah. Three of you? Three of you? It's all You can lie. You can lie. It's a, it's a professional wrestling show. And people would start wrestling, and I understand it's fake. I know it's fake, but it's real athletes doing real athletic stuff, all right? Football's fake too. I'm just saying. It's not... Um. And so I would gather and I would watch wrestling, and, and, and it's still going on today, but there's different characters in case, for like 80% of you who act like you don't know what wrestling is, all right, they had all these different characters, and they'd build up these characters, and when I was watching it, there was a couple of characters who were just like the best. I, I mean, I, I just, I would, I loved watching them. One of them, you're going to be a little bit familiar with, because he's still pretty popular in movies and stuff, and they called him The Rock. You remember hey, The Rock? Yes, you remember man, The Rock? Y'all know about The Rock? Listen, listen. The listen. Rock is cooking. Okay, hold on, hold on. Pause that for a second. I gotta set this up better. I didn't do a good job setting it up. All right, so 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 if something was going on in the ring and all of a sudden uh, the rock wanted to come out he couldn't just walk out and be like hey I'm here he had to make an entrance right and so there'd be these guys and they'd be fighting in the ring and they'd be you know I should bring you up in fake wrestling. that'd be someone <laughs> he's slapping them on the chest and like they'd be in the middle of something and then all of a sudden you would hear the rocks Hit it again. smell what the rock is cooking. Ooh, you it. I'd be in the chair, and all of a sudden, when you'd hear if you smell, I'd jump up and start running around the living room. My dad'd be cooking chicken and rice. I'd be like, What that rock is cooking? You know what I mean? It was so amazing. You know, he's like, What's wrong with my son? And I was like, This is awesome. You know what I mean? Every time I see him now, it don't matter. He, he could do, he could, he could be in any movie. And I, as soon as I see him, I'll be like, if you smell, la, 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 Y'all know about, y'all know about la, 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 That's what started Christmas. La, 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 la. Anyway. So that was The Rock. And then there was this other guy, okay? Now, hold on. I got to set it up. I got to set this up really good. It was this other guy. And he was just as popular. And they had this thing going where they would always kind of fight each other. And whenever they were fighting each other, it, stuff would sell out. He, he was awesome. He was a little bit different than the, than the rock. You would call him like a redneck. He was kind of redneck. And um, um, I don't know if I can say this in church. I won't say this in church. And so, but whenever, whenever he got ready to come out, this is what you would hear. Play it real quick. Y'all know about that. I should be preaching to a whole different crowd. Y'all, yeah, I'm having way too much fun. Y'all are like, can this, when, when are we going to go eat? This Okay, this guy's name was Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right, Stone. Oh! All of a sudden, y'all in here. Pastor Brian, there are people in church today. My bad. But y'all don't know the intro music? Let's do it again. So hold on, let me set you up. Imagine, imagine, and, and, and when, when I'd be at home, okay, and, and something be going on, and in the stadium, like 40,000 people, they'd turn all the lights off, you know, and it would get really quiet, and everybody would be in there, and you could just kind of hear it go silent in a crowd of 40,000 people, because they were waiting to be like, who's about to come out? And so it'd be silent, and then you'd hear it. And Did you hear the glass break? Do it, it again. Turn up loud. Turn up loud. Gotta get ready. Play it again, play it again, play it again, play it again. Play it again. Yep. Y'all better get ready. Watch the glass break. Yeah. And he come down. He'd be throwing stuff like this. Him and The Rock would get in the ring, they'd be fighting, and it was just, ah. Oh, I mean, I went from Pacey and Dawson to The Rock and Stone Coast Steve Austin, and life was amazing. It was amazing. It was so cool how wrestling had, like, these intro videos and these intro songs, and nobody ever just came out. You know, it was never, like, in the middle of something, they'd be like, hey, and, like, all of a sudden, all the lights and cameras have to start. Hey, it's me. I am Dwayne Johnson. I'm over here. It was always this intro scene and this video. So I was like, man, what if Jesus was a wrestler? (laughs) You know what I mean? What if the Rock and Stone Cold are in the ring? And they're fighting, and then Jesus comes down. He's floating, you know, just, I can't do it. He's like, you got the Michael Jackson. He's just coming down. Like, he's got bread in one hand. You know what I mean? he's always, Could you imagine? So I got with Brian, and I told you all a couple weeks ago, Brian does voiceovers and stuff for a living. And I said, hey, man, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus had a wrestling intro? And he said, say no more. <laughs> and I've got you an early Christmas present. Are you ready for this? Let's hear this. Making his way to planet Earth, he is the Son of God and the Savior of mankind, hailing from Bethlehem, Israel and found lying in a manger. Baby Jesus Christ. No, you, baby. Christ! Isn't that cool? Could you imagine him coming down? Carrying a cross and three nails. Just like, baby Jesus Christ! Just, just straight up gangster with a capital G. You know what I mean? I am Jesus. I love it. Glorious. Did y'all hear the word victorious in there? Don't play no games. We, victory. we all up in Jesus' intro. I was like, could you imagine how crazy that'd be? You got one guy talking about, smell what I'm cooking. And Jesus' is like, I can multiply what you're cooking. You know what I mean? Could you imagine? Like, it would just be so cool, man. It'd just be such a cool moment. I was like, man, if we could just get a wrestling intro for Jesus. This is going to somehow come back to the Bible, don't worry. I thought, wait a minute. So, what the angels were doing is they were announcing Jesus. So, it's almost like the angels were, if you smell, la la la, la well, baby Jesus is pooping. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Just they were, they were. and then, then I started thinking about something can you go on a journey with me for a second so in your Bible you've got the book of Malachi ending the Old Testament and you've got the book of Matthew beginning the New Testament and in between Malachi and Matthew there were 400 years of complete silence can you imagine 400 years of just darkness and silence. Can you imagine? And for 400 years, there's all this anticipation. What's God going to say? He hasn't spoken in 400 years. In the Old Testament, He would speak to prophets. And those prophets would speak on behalf of God. And if you had something you wanted to tell God, you would go to the priest. And, and so he hasn't said anything for 400 years. Imagine the anticipation. Imagine them sitting there wondering, when—when when is God going to speak again? You ever been there? Seems like God's been silent for a long time. When is God going to speak again? And then I start to think on it. You've got all these people, just like us, in anticipation, waiting on God to speak. And then it all started to click in my mind, and I started to realize what was going on. The angels coming to sing. It wasn't poor marketing. It was on purpose. They were coming. There was a reason they were there. These people have waited for 400 years to hear something from God. And now, all of a sudden, God is announcing the birth of Jesus. And it's when I realized this. You ready? This is what I realized. In all of this process, in all of this moment, wondering if it was poor marketing, wondering if it was on purpose, why do you send angels to a field, to a bunch of shepherds? Why did you do this? What was the reason? And I'm processing what I used to watch on WWF and the way people would be introed and the way people would enter. And all of a sudden it came to my mind on purpose. The angels, are you listening to me? The angels was the way of God introing Jesus. Do you get it? What a moment. So I'm trying to put myself in the moment. Get ready, watch this. You're the shepherd. You're in the field. All of a sudden some angels show up and you're anticipating what they're about to do. It's silent, and they it's true Jesus.